Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. your focus upon him this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Just minister to the Lord this morning. Lord, we promised the Lord that I would testify this morning. I'll give you a chance as well. Is there anybody that might have a testimony this morning? You just want to share what God has done for you, something the Lord's done for you this week that you'd just like to share real quick? Is there anybody? Well, I have one. I don't know if some of you knew, but for the last few months, and I'm a healthy guy, which has been a shocker to him, but I've been having heart problems for the last couple of months. And uh, I've had an arrhythmia and just different things, cardiologists trying to figure out what's going on. Last Sunday, as I stood here and I said, we need to pray for Terry Allen. We were praying for Terry. And as I began to pray, standing right here last Sunday, 
As I began to pray, the Spirit of God came upon me. And something happened to me. And I wasn't even praying for me. I was praying for Terry. And I was just praying and saying, God, touch his body, heal him, restore his health. And as I was praying, I felt the presence of God come on me. Now, I didn't say anything then. But what I noticed is that on t- by Tuesday, I had had no arrhythmias in my heart. It had not done it. It had not happened. And so on Tuesday, as I was in the auditorium and I was praying, I said, Lord, I'm going to put you to a test. If you have healed my body, in seven days I'm going to stand up behind the same pulpit where you touched me, and I am going to declare that you have healed me and touched me. I stand here seven days, nothing, no problems that I have experienced in the last week. Can we give the Lord praise? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. You are my Lord and my healer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I testify to the healing power of God. Friends, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what disease or sickness you may contact, whether it's covid or diabetes, or cancer, or heart arrhythmias, whatever it might be. We serve a God who hears and answers our prayers. And if you will pray in the in faith, He will touch your body in Jesus' name. So don't give up. You may not even be praying for yourself. You may be praying for somebody else, and the Lord will heal you at that moment. Hallelujah. Trust Him. Trust Him. And as the scripture says, pray in faith. Pray in faith. I was praying that God was going to heal Terry and I was expecting a good report. In turn, the Lord touched my body. I believe God's touch. I talked to Terry yesterday. He's doing better. Doing better. Isn't that like our God, though? Isn't that just like him? So I just say, thank you, Lord, for your hand upon my life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, I want you to take your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 14. I'm going to share just a brief word of to you today. Austin, I'm going to switch over here. I want to remind you. You got me? I want to remind you of the message that I preached last week. I want you to know something. That word hasn't changed either. I know there's been lots of events that have occurred this week. And to be honest, I really don't know them all because I prefer to uh, read heaven's headlines versus the world's. So I don't bury my head in Fox News or CNN or... Dallas morning or whatever. I don't bury my life in that because I know that there's one who sits upon the throne that's much higher than any Capitol building or White House or no matter what it is. We serve a God. I'm a citizen of that kingdom. Can somebody say amen? That's the kingdom I, I celebrate. So I know that the Lord is the same. Nothing's changed. I, the Lord, do not change, he declared to Malachi. 
And it's the same today. His message is still the same. Amen? But as you look through the scriptures, there are verses that cause me concern. My message today is going to be very pastoral. It's going to be a little bit different than last week. There are scriptures that I read in in God's word that cause me a lot of concern because I know that all across America there are people today who are going to be hearing the word of God. They'll be listening to the word of God and there will be preachers and pastors who will be standing behind the pulpit declaring the word of God. But my fear is is that there's a lot of people in America and there's a lot of people who even stand behind pulpits who may preach or hear the Word of God, but they don't know the God of the Word. That is a fearful thing for me. In Jeremiah chapter 2, I believe it's verse 8, he's talking about the priests and he says, those who deal with the law do not even know me. That's a scary thing because those of us who hear the Word of God, we, we hear it preached on a weekly basis, but yet it seems to just come right through. I was visiting with my dad just yesterday or... And I said, I wonder how many people can even remember the message we preached last week. Or two weeks ago, or a month ago. And it's not a discouragement to me, it's just a reality to know that there's a lot of people who, and even preachers, who preach and declare God's Word, but yet they don't know the God of the Word. And that's a concern for me, because I don't want us to miss what God is speaking to us. And Jesus did a lot of parables, and he, he told a lot of stories. And he talked about a lot of people who miss God, who just don't get it. They hear the gospel, or they hear the good news, or they hear someone speaking and declaring God's word, or hearing testimonies that God heals, but they just don't get it. They miss it. It just, just goes by them. It doesn't register. I've heard some ask, well, what about those people who have never heard? To be honest, I'm not as concerned about those people who have never heard because we serve a just God and He can handle those equations. I don't have to. My concern is with those people who have heard and who still don't believe. That's my concern. That's what gives me pause when I read the Scriptures and I know so many who have heard the message of Christ, who have heard about faith, who have heard about belief, who have heard about touching God and walking with God and obeying God, and yet they still fail to believe, they fail to follow, they fail to disciple themselves and to grow in faith. Those are the ones who, who cause me such concern. I've seen those in the church. I'm not going to point names. Please don't. I'm not going to say, yeah, you or that person, because.
But he said that mobile menus, there's going to be a lot more options, more information. He also said that you're going to be able to order while you wait. So in the future, what's going to happen is if there are a line in a restaurant, you're going to be able to access the food. You're going to be able to order as you're waiting to get a seat inside. And when you sit down at the table, your food will get brought to you. Now, that's a pretty good idea. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, that'd be fantastic. What would even be better is if you didn't have to wait at all. He said there's going to be an order. There's, he said that fast, casual dining is winning, which means that most of the time people don't come in and they're not going to eat a three-hour dinner. They're not going to sit and talk, he said, because what we've seen is that a lot of times people come in and if there's a group of people, most of them are on their phones anyway. Can I just tell you, we have a rule in our house, and I encourage you to do the same. When it comes to meals with family or meals with anybody, please don't invite me out to dinner and then throw your phone on the table. Keep it in your pocket. Because I'm there to talk to you. I don't want to talk to somebody else or pass a message. Can I get an amen from parents? Keep your phones in your pocket. Moms and dads, husbands and wives, keep your phones in your pocket when you're trying to eat. You're not there to eat with somebody on your phone. You're there to eat with that person. Give them your attention. All right? You don't have to pay for that one. I'm just throwing that out there. He said one of these days, he said, and it's coming fast, he said there will be drone delivery for food. So Uber Eats, I'm sorry if you're making money on Uber Eats, you better go buy you a drone. That's what we were, I was talking to Daniel about. That's what kind of cued me in. They're making drones now. They're going to drop it right on your front door, and it's just going to buzz away, and there's your food on your front porch. It's coming. All of these trends, all of these things about these meals and how we eat dinner, in this passage of Scripture, this morning is a is an invitation to a meal to fellowship to dinner with the lord he's he's talking and referencing this this one day that i'm going to talk about later where the lord is going to gather us and we're going to eat together with him we're going to fellowship with him just he and us and it's going to be wonderful and jesus talks about the invitation to that banquet and everybody is going to get the invitation to this fellowship everybody is going to get it but unfortunately not everyone is going to show up. And here's the answer. Why doesn't everybody show up? The reason why is because there will always be good excuses available. There are always going to be good excuses available in your life of why when God gives an invitation for you to do something, there's always going to be a good excuse. There's not going to be a lot of bad excuses because every one of you have good excuses of why you can't do what maybe God is asking you to do. Everybody's got good excuses. Look at verse 18. It says that they all alike began to make excuses. Everybody that was invited to the banquet, everyone had an excuse. And they were all pretty good excuses if you look in the passage. They were good. They were reasonable. Everyone's got an excuse, and it's usually good. So my question to you this morning is, if God is calling you to draw closer to Him, if God is, in, is speaking to you about something you need to change in your life, if God is trying to, to uh, uh, pour His dream into you and, and set goals upon you, my, my question to you is, what is your excuse for not following the Lord? What is your excuse? As we look through this, Scripture, I, I, I see three excuses that are used in this parable. And if you're taking notes, you've got the note sheet. I want you to be able to take those notes so that you can engage with me this morning. The first excuse is this. 
is that most people, just like in this parable, they would say this, we're too busy. I just don't have time. Verse 18 says, the first said, I, I just bought a field and I have to go and I have to see it, so please excuse me. There is not one person in this room who doesn't have a schedule. Some of you remember the days of the day runner, the day planner. I walked around college and I had this big, huge day planner and I threw it out on my desk. It weighed 80 pounds. Now I carry all of my, all of my content, all of my calendar, all of my appointments are right there in my phone. I stick it in my pocket. I pull it out. I can adjust and just as we go. But everybody has got a schedule. Everybody has I have too much to do. I know that the workplace has definitely changed over the last year. A lot of people working from home, the dynamic is different. Now you have to consciously set work aside. Some people in this room, and I know many people, they're like, what pandemic? I haven't changed anything. I still go to work. I still do everything that I've always done. We just got off a few weeks. I'm still doing everything just like I used to. So you're just like, you know what? I'm still as busy as I ever was. Nothing's really changed for me. I still have to work. He says in verse 19, he says, there was a man who gave an excuse. He said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. Now, that doesn't register with a whole lot of us because I doubt that on a Sunday afternoon, a lot of you are going to say, you know what? I'm going to go take a look at some oxen. I'm thinking about buying them. You know, I'm looking to get pick up a few more oat yoke of oxen. You know. I've heard they've got a really good deal on them. I go get some get five yoke of oxen. And I'm I'm going to go try them out. I enjoy collecting oxen. It's my part time job. I'm an oxen dealer. But what Jesus was clarifying here, what I want you to understand, is he was clarifying something about this purpose, or this person. You see, in Jesus' day, most of the people, if not everybody, walked everywhere they went. And the reason why they did that is because they didn't have the money to do any other transportation. If you'll remember, what did Jesus do when he sent the disciples into town before he entered Jerusalem for the last time? He said, hey, I want you to go and I want you to uh, get a... Uh, I've got a, a, a donkey. There's a man that's got a donkey. I want you to bring that donkey to me. That was the first Uber ride ever. It was Uber donkey. 
And he brought him that donkey, and Jesus rode that donkey in. But what the point of the story is what's really going on here is that Jesus is clarifying who this person is. Everybody walked where they went. And maybe if you had enough money, you could come up with a donkey or even a horse. You were pretty well off if you had a horse. But if, if you were even beyond that, if you had some oxen. Now this guy said, he said, I'm going, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. Five yoke. This guy wasn't going to plow with these oxen. He bought five yoke. He was going to water ski behind these oxen. I mean, we're talking about five times two. He had ten yoke of oxen. He was about to use. What does that mean? This man was not of small means. He had lots of wealth. He had lots of opportunity, lots of things that he could that he could do. And that puts him in the top one percent of everybody. He said, I just don't have time. I gotta go try out things because I can't make it to the banquet. I've got, I've got work to do. I've got things that I have to do. Can I just tell you that the more wealth that people have, the more excuses they have to use? I'm not saying I'm not anti-wealth at all. But I will tell you this. The more money you have, the more opportunity for excuses you will also have. I mean, I probably won't have the excuse of, well, you know, the wife and I, we're going to fly to the French Riviera this weekend, so I'm not going to be at church. Bridget, could you fill in for me? I don't have that excuse. Although I wouldn't mind trying it on every once in a while. But one of the excuses is just, I have two words. And the final excuse that I see in this passage is family demands. I just have a lot going on with my family. Look at the last one. In verse 20, he says, I just got married. Hey, that's a great excuse. Good excuse. I have to work. Good excuse. My calendar is busy. I'm scheduled up. I'm busy, busy. Good excuse. But you would think, man, this family demand is probably the best excuse because what he's really saying is this. Look at it. He says, I just got married, so I can't come. What this man is really saying is he said, my wife is my excuse. My kids are my excuse. I mean, my, my, my aunt, my uncle, my grandpa, my, my, they're my excuse. And we use our family as excuses a lot when it comes to God. I mean, what did Adam do? Adam, come here. Hey, it was the woman who, it was, she's the one that did this. She brought the apple to me. And we use our family as an excuse. Can I just tell you, just kind of funny, it, it hit me as I was reading this, how original we've really become. Over the last several thousand years, we use the same excuses. We're either too busy, we've got too much to do, or we use our family as the excuse. So what I want to do this morning is I'm just a very pastoral message. I want to talk to you about these excuses of why we can miss God. Because I believe this. I believe God is trying to speak to a lot of us. I believe God wants to have a conversation with many of you in your lives. And what you need to realize is that, if you, that God wants to speak to you, but you can miss Him. And I don't want you to miss Him. Because what He has to say and where He wants to lead you is much more important than anything that I could say or anything anywhere that you would want to go. Your excuse here today, I want you to see that, is it doesn't have to be evil. It doesn't have to be bad. It can be a good excuse. Some of you have really busy lives. Some of you have work schedules that are just crazy. 
Some of you have family demands that are absolutely legitimate and good. But I want you to know something, that there's some principles I'm going to bring out real quickly that you have to see in order for you not to miss God. You have to apply these laws that I'm going to give you real quickly in a universal way. That speed limit that's out there on University Drive that's, what, 40, 45? That, that is a law, and it doesn't matter who is driving the car. It doesn't matter how old you are, what color you are, what your address is. It doesn't matter. That's the law, and it's the law for everybody. And there's some laws that I'm going to show you today in life that I want you to recognize. The first one is this that you see in this passage is that there is not enough time to do everything. The older I get, the more I realize that I don't have the time to do everything that I've always wanted to do. About 20 years ago, I narrowed my life and my ministry down to three things. And I said, Lord, if you can give me the strength to do accomplish these three things in my lifetime in ministry, I'll be faithful. I'll tell you this. I've fulfilled two so far. And I'm asking the Lord to let me complete that in my life. I don't have time to do everything. Our culture is, is a culture in which we create value by the phrase, I'm busy. Because we think if someone is busy, that that person is important. Am I right? Well, you got, I know you're a busy person. What we're saying is that we know that we value that important. But, and, and, and the parable that we see in Luke chapter 14 is, this, is that th- that is a very good excuse It's a good excuse. You don't have the time, but you do have the time to do what is important, always. You may not have the time to do everything, but God has given you the time to do what is important, always. You can do the important things. My friends, my my encouragement to you as your pastor is make sure that you have the important things on your to-do list first. Don't put them last. Because you will not have time to do everything that you want to do in your life. I have a lot to do. But if I don't schedule God first, I'll schedule God out of it. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. If you don't seek Him first, let me tell you something, you're going to miss out on a lot of blessings and good things in life because you have not prioritized the right things in your life. You don't have time in your life to do everything that you wanted to do when you were 21 years old. You don't have time in your life to do everything that you want to do when you're 45 years old. But I want you to know you can do the important things in life always. I'm confident that every person wants to have something positive come out of their life. And I am confident that everything on your schedule will lead to probably a good outcome, but I am not confident that they will lead you to God. That everything that you're going to do, that everything that you've done this past week, that all of those things have led you toward God. I am confident it's probably a good thing. Nobody says, you know, I'm putting this on my calendar. It's not going to bring me a lot of blessing. It's probably going to bother me a lot, but I'm going to do it anyway. No, I think you have good things planned for your life, but you need to make sure that those good things lead you to the Lord and lead those who are following you toward the Lord. Second thing, second law and principle is this, the law of life is that all things that are all things are not equal. So don't act like they are. 
All things aren't equal. Look what he says several times. He says, just please excuse me. Just excuse me. I've got this going on. I'm busy. I've got work. I've got family matters. Just please excuse me. But what happens, what you see is that we live our lives as though everything that we do has equal value. And that's a problem because it's just not true. It's not the way God put it. They thought my job was equally as important as God's invitation to come close to Him. They thought that their activities and the busyness of their schedule was as equally important as God saying, hey, I need your time. I want you to be close to me. They thought that their family was equally important. Can I tell you that there is, there is a number one and a number two in my life? My number two will never be anyone but my wife, Shannon. She is always number two in my life, but God is reserved for the first spot. And if I get those out of order, or if I put my kids up there, and if I rearrange, I want you to know that it, 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 it messes up your life because all things are not equal. They're good. My wife, I love her with all of my heart. I love my children. I love my church. I love my friends. But they are not Him. They're not equal to Him. And when you get that out of order, it can hurt your life. You cannot, listen, you cannot live a meaningful life acting like all things are equal. You cannot live a blessed life acting like all things are the same value because they're not. The Bible gives us literal understanding that God is always number one. But as long as God is the same as every game, or every little league practice, or if he's the same as every vacation or every career move, can I tell you, friends, you will find yourself constantly frustrated in your life. The greatest gift you can give your family is making God number one. You know why? Because they've seen your life when he's not. They know when dad has God number one in their life. They know when mom is pursuing God with all of their heart, with all of her heart. They know what number one looks like. Your kids are not fools. They see when God is number one in your life. They know when he's not. So all things are not equal. Number three is that people who are full don't see a reason to feast. People who are full don't see a reason to feast. Look at verse 24. This was probably the scariest verse of this passage for me because if you look at verse 24, it says, I tell you that not one of these men who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. The people that were giving these excuses in this passage, you know what the problem was? They thought that their lives were already full. I'm already full. I don't need anything else. I'm, I'm good. I've got, my, I've got my activities all planned out. I've got my job thing going on. I've got my family. I'm all good. Everything is all worked out. A lot of people are a fool on a lot of things. Can someone say amen? As Americans, we're full to the brim with all types of things. There are people in America who are just full of themselves. Anybody know those folks? 
We're full of ourselves. But can I say that there are very few people who are absolutely full of God. They're full of everything else. They're full of the activities and the, and, and, and the events and, and going here and this activity and that going there. And they are not full of God because they think they're so full of everything else. And we can fool ourselves into saying, hey, we're already full. Can I tell you that you will look back in your life when you, when you have that invitation to pursue God and God wants to bless you and, and to be obedient to Him, you'll look back upon your life with regret in years down the road and you'll say, you know what, I was full of all of those things and guess what? They're old, dilapidated, I don't even use those things anymore. I should have accepted that invitation. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 2, Isaiah asked the question, He says, why do we spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? So listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the riches of fare. Eat the things that are going to satisfy your life. And the only thing that's going to satisfy is the table that the Lord sets before you. What God gives you, what what He has in your life. People who are full don't see a reason to feast. They don't feel the necessity of of hearing and responding to God as He says, look, there's a change you need to make in your life. You've been slacking off. You You haven't prayed like you should. You haven't been reading your Bible. You don't even attend church in the day of COVID. You don't even watch online. You've allowed that to slip. I can't tell you how many people fit that category right now. And now it's become a habit. And Sunday morning is the day that now I sleep in and I have a brunch. Because, well, we can't go to church. On the football pregame starts at 10. So we can't watch online. Come on, I'm telling the truth now. We're full of so much stuff. But you're going to look back and you'll regret those moments that you chose not to accept that invitation. You'll just find empty calories. Number four principle is that spiritual opportunities are not accidental. They're intentional. Spiritual opportunities are not accidental. You don't don't just accidentally fall into a move of God. You you intentionally plan for God to do something in your life. You don't get close to God by accident. Can I just tell you that? I want you to hear me that. You don't just get close to God by accident. You don't repent of your sins accidentally. You don't just get full and baptized in the Holy Spirit accidentally. I didn't mean to. Ooh. What was that? Last year, I read a study of marriages. They were talking about marriages that stay together and marriages that are happy. And it said that the most important thing that, could, that a couple could do if they wanted to have a, a long marriage and that they wanted to be happy, 83% of those who, who experienced that said that they thought of the little things you know most of the time in in marriages what we try to do is we think it's that big huge dream vacation or it's that 
monster ring or it's that new car or whatever we give to our spouse or if it's whatever. We think it's that big thing. But 83% of those who were, who were surveyed in this study said, you know what, it was the little things daily that made the difference in our relationship. It's the surprise walking into her office with fresh flowers. Yeah, yeah. Those people in, her, in my wife's office, they know me. They see me walking up the, the sidewalk. They just buzz me in before I even have to pull on the door because I've usually got something. If it's not, if it's not a strawberry salad from, from Wendy's, it's flowers. It's something. It's the little things because I want it to go well with me. Amen. It's the little things. Spiritual opportunities don't come by accident. The invitation doesn't go out by accident. It's intentional. And you don't just accidentally fall into the banquet. You don't just accidentally walk into heaven and say, Wow, how did I get here? I think a lot of people are thinking that that's the way it's going to work out. My friend, if you're not making plans to be in heaven right now, if you're not making plans to see God face to face, friends, you will not be there. It's not an accident. It's an intentional move. You want God to do something powerful in your life. You begin to seek Him intentionally. You don't just accidentally wake up and have the power of God fall upon you. My friends, you don't just accidentally stand up and begin to pray for somebody for be healing and God heals you. It was intentional. I was praying in faith and God touched my body. You plan on praying in faith and God's going to do the same for you. Spiritual opportunities don't come by accident. They're intentional. My relationship with God is about the little things that I do every day. It's the small verses of Scripture that I just read and meditate on. It's the prayers that I pray. One of the tragic things that I've seen recently, and it happens to my own family, is that when we sit down at a meal together, so many people, we've forgotten to even pray over our food. That's not even a habit that's been broken. That's just something we think that we're so hungry and we're just so busy and we have to do it so fast. We can't even pray a blessing over our food. Parents, take charge in that category. Teach your children. When you sit them down, pray over the food that God has blessed them with because there are people around this world who would love to be sitting at that dinner. not by accident it's intentional listening reading watching attending church those are the right things to do another law is that when priorities that are ignored today by god that if you ignore those priorities today they will create problems for you tomorrow if you ignore what's important in your life today one day you're going to wake up and realize how important those things are. This is the verse that really scares me, verse 24. He says, Not one of those men who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. There's going to be a meal one day, but not everybody is going to taste it. 
I wish this would have said, well, if I occasionally give God a little head nod or if I attend church, you know, Christmas and Easter, and, you know, if I pick up my Bible, maybe dust it off, read the 23rd Psalm, I'm going to take care of business. I'm certain to be at that meal. I wish that's what it said, but that's not what it said. Priorities that ignore God today will bring problems to your life tomorrow. And that's not just heavenly problems, it's eternal problems, but that's daily problems. I can just tell you, the closer you walk with God, the more the Lord's going to allow His will to work out. Now, it may not be easy at times, but I can tell you this, that when you look at your life in the rearview mirror, you'll say, thank God I put you first. Number six, you have to choose God when it's not convenient. Convenience has become an American religion. How many of you remember when you had to, when you went to the, put gas in your car, you had to go in and pay for gas? How many of you remember that? I'll just tell you, there weren't a few hands, very many hands that went up. How many of you remember the days when you had to go into the bank to get cash because there was no such thing as an ATM? How many remember the days when you had to book a flight by calling somebody and waiting on the, on the phone line? Or by actually going to the airport and getting the, the ticketing office and getting the ticket, and then you go back whenever your flight was. We've got kids saying, you really did that? Yeah. Convenience. I don't even remember when popping a bag of popcorn wasn't in a bag. It was a kernel. And you had to put butter in a pot, and you had to set lids on it, and that thing would let the lid pop off. How do you remember popcorn that way? Yeah. Once again, the kids are like, you did that? Convenience is not always the best choice. You have to choose God when you're busy. You have to choose God... When your career does not include God. You have to choose God when your family does not want to choose God. Come on, somebody say amen to that. You have to be able to stand and say, you know what, I'm choosing the Lord no matter who is with me. When it's not convenient, when nobody gives you applause, when nobody is there cheering you on, you have to choose God. You don't allow your kids to dictate your relationship with God. You don't allow your husband or your wife to tell you when you get to go to church or what you get to do in your free time. You have to choose God when it's not convenient. And then finally, is that whenever God invites you to a party, don't miss it. RSVP. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 9, it says, the angel tells John, he said, I want you to write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. My friends, I like lots of buffets, and I've got my favorite restaurants. I can eat me some Mexican food. I like Chinese food too. I like Thai food if I'm spicy. Every once in a while, I'll even eat Taco Bell. 
I like all kinds of food. And from the looks of some of you, so do you. But listen. I knew I'd get amen. But listen. There is a meal one day that you do not want to miss. It is going to be a gathering of God's people in Revelation 19. There is coming a, a, a dinner, a banquet meal. And at the head of the table, our Lord Jesus will sit. I can just see that whole picture right now. As we walk into heaven someday, there's going to be a banquet that's set before and the Lord is going to send His angels to us. He's saying, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> we've got a place saved just for you. Come right here, Scott. I want to show you to your chair. And I'm going to walk up to this massive table where the saints of God will be gathered together. And He's going to lead me to the back of my chair. And I'm going to see my name right there on that on that marked across that table reserved. He's going to have my name ready with a plate and all the utensils ready to go. And he'll say, if you'll just wait right here at the back of your chair until the Lord takes his seat. And I can see the people of God standing behind those chairs waiting for the entrance of the Son of God as He walks into that banquet hall and cheers and shouts begin to go up and we say, Worthy is the Lamb of God. We have made it to the supper of the Lamb, worshiping Him. We'll stand behind that chair until we see the King of kings and the Lord of lords as he moves his chair, the angels scoot his chair back and he steps up to the table and they push that chair underneath his legs and he sits and we'll then do the same as the angels seat us at the table of the Lamb one day. Friends, if you have made that reservation, you will sit with the Lamb at that meal. The invitation is there for everyone. Those in the city, those in the country, as he says in Luke 14. The rich, the poor, the lame, it doesn't matter who you are. God is calling you. Don't make an excuse because they won't be good then. They're good excuses now. They're worthy. They're valid. But my friends, at that moment, there won't be any excuse that will be good. It won't hold water anymore. That's the meal that you don't want to miss. So this morning as we close, I want you to just invite the Lord to speak to your mind right now. And I want you to just evaluate yourself today. I call you to take an evaluation of your life. Don't let 2021 be filled with all the excuses of why you can't draw close to God of why you can't do this, of why this and why that. Well, we've got COVID. We've got, we've got political problems. We've got racial tensions. Don't let any of those maybe valid excuses keep you from pursuing God with all of your heart. Would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want you to just Take a moment there where you're sitting. And I want you to 
find out what excuses you've been given to God. And would you just say, Lord, more than anything, I want to make that final banquet meal. If there's something in your life that would prevent you from arriving to that table, would you deal with it today? Would you deal with it? If there's unforgiveness in your heart towards someone else, would you deal with that today? Because the Scripture says that the Lord can't forgive you unless you forgive others. If there's bitterness in your life, if there's unconfessed sin, things that nobody ever knows about, nobody knows but you and God, He knows. If there's things like that in your life, would you deal with that today? Would you say, Lord, I'm, I'm turning, I'm surrendering that to you. Would you surrender the anxiousness that a lot of people are under right now and the stress? People are all worried and tied up in knots about everything from our nation, the country, to, to sickness. Would you just let that go to God? When you say, Lord, my pursuit is for the kingdom. My pursuit is for you. Stop worried about all those other things. As legitimate and real as they are, don't let that consume the joy of your life. Pursue Him. Surrender those things to Him. I want to pray over you today. And I want our worship team to sing that song. Father, I thank You, Lord, because I know that, Lord, not only do You not change, but, Lord, that You have given a great invitation to us. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that You would just let Your hand... Lord, reach deep down into our hearts, Lord, whatever is holding us back, keeping us from you, Lord, stopping us from pursuing your life, Lord, for, and for following the invitation, Lord, the excuses that we have, Lord, let us see them for what they are. They may be valid, they may be good, but Lord, that they're not priority, Lord, we have time to do the important things. So, Lord, may we surrender it to you. Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.